Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Third Line Grinders. I'm getting many a points from the rest of my crew members here. We're back after a two-week layover. I am in the host seat today. We can get into that if uh, Nick is okay with talking about that whole thing. But uh, I'm Cameron Pierce with me, as always, to go around the table. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Doing all right. Uh, Good to be with you guys and good to not be the host for for one week. Uh, I'm looking forward to see how this goes. Yeah, Nick, if you want to really embrace the cam, you just have to turn into a really sarcastic, dry piece of shit for the next hour or so. So if you want to embrace that role. That's so nice to say about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Way to start it right. (laughs) Yeah, right. I think I I I could do that, though. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And uh, to move on to the giggly little one over there, the lovely Sonic Viridian, what's going on? Hello. Hello. (laughs) I'm always giggling. Oh, absolutely. It is a giggly show. We're all happy to be here, as always, and I'm sure everybody is happy to hear the voice of this next panel member, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, the e-spalled fuck, Ethan Spaulding. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> uh, doing great, thanks. Uh, how are you? I am absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to get into this episode. Like I said, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been able to do this, so let's move right into it with some news that broke last week that we were unable to cover. Uh, the Tim Peel incident... Uh, NHL referee, very respected NHL referee who has been in the league for a long time, uh, got caught on a hot mic, essentially explaining that he wanted to give uh, Nashville a penalty early on in whatever period it was in the game between the Nashville Predators and the Detroit Red Wings. And Ethan, you're the one who I really want to hear from in this one. So I'm just going to let you roll with this one to start us off. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, so you said it perfectly. Uh, Tim Peel, who's who's been an official in the NHL since 1999, has almost 2,000 NHL games officiated. Um, most notably, he went to the Sochi Olympics. He represented the U.S. over there. Um, he's done a couple of outdoor games, and he's done a handful of Stanley Cup playoffs, um, which is a pretty notable career, I like to think. Uh, And unfortunately, it ended not as he intended it to because he actually was supposed to retire this season after the season. Um, But he kind of got himself into a bit of a shitstorm. Obviously, the the role of the official for for ice hockey, or at least for for any sport, actually, uh, is to enforce the rules of the game as as impartially and unbiased as possible. Um, In a perfect world, that would happen every time. But unfortunately... We live in an imperfect world. Um, I believe it was the early second period of, of Nashville, Detroit. Um, Tim Peel kind of gave a really, really soft, what we can probably now consider a makeup call uh, penalty to Nashville. And just before the commercial break, um, thanks to uh, technology we have, you know, he was mic'd up. He had a, Unfortunately, at a microphone malfunction, it was a hot mic, uh, and he got caught saying that he wanted to give Nashville a penalty early on, and that obviously is a complete integrity violation of the rules. And um, as an official, that's just unacceptable. You know, I totally understand that there will be referees who who make makeup calls. Um, it's I don't like it. But uh, it happens. But to then just say it out loud and get caught, I guess, you know, it's really shitty of him. But I was actually really impressed by the NHL 
not 24 hours later, they come out with a statement. Um, I think it was the director yeah. of hockey operations. Um, you know, he obviously condemned the actions of Tim Peel and fired him pretty much on the spot. Um, I have this statement I, right here. I can read it too if you want. Yeah, me. go for it. Go for it. All right. Yeah. So you were right. It's from the, the NHL senior executive vice president of hockey ops, Colin Campbell. He announced that today that referee Tim Peel following his comments during the game last night between Detroit and Nashville will no longer be working NHL games now or in the future. Uh, quote, nothing is more important than ensuring the integrity of our game. Campbell said Tim Peel's conduct is in direct contradiction to the adherence to that cornerstone principle that we demand of our officials and that our fans, players, coaches, and all those associated with our game expect and deserve. There's no justification for his comments, no matter the context or his intention in the NHL, sorry, and the national hockey league will take any and all steps necessary to protect the integrity of our game. Um, to me, yeah, I think, I think the biggest aspect to this is, now that gambling is so sports gambling is so big that if <clears throat> if the NHL is going to partake in bringing in uh, sponsors like DraftKings and FanDuel or whoever else is is a part of the game, if you're going to allow people to bet on your sport, they don't want to have another incident like the NBA had with the with those refs, you know, fixing right. games left and right. Scott, I think it was Scott Foster was his name. I forget exactly, but I believe you're right. Yeah, it's like. But from this, just keeping it to this perspective for now, like I think that's the biggest reason why the NHL came down and hammered him the way they did. Because A, he was going to retire at the end of the season already. B, he got caught on a hot mic that, and, and it went viral. And, and C, because sports betting is so huge and it's going to generate more money for the sport that, you know, could afford, could use every single penny that they can get from their viewers and interacting with fans that they just can't afford to like have something like this be out there. Absolutely. I mean, I would wholeheartedly like to believe that, you know, NHL officials or at least any officials aren't, aren't fixing games, but obviously, like I said earlier, it's an imperfect world. Um, but you are literally one of the greatest, most respected NHL referees, hockey referees in the world. I, I very confident in saying that. Um, to, to do something like this, puts your entire career into question. And I'm almost certain that's not what he wanted. Uh, I do believe I read that the, uh, NHL is still going to give him his retirement, uh, pension and his benefits and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that's, I was just going to say that they were still going to pay him throughout until he retires. But I just, as, as, a a prior official, I really hate to see this because officials as it is really don't get much respect. Um, but then you see them do stuff like this and, you know, it, it's not hard to wonder why that that's the culture around referees, why they don't get the, the respect that I think referees should deserve, but it's kind of hard to keep up with reputation like this, I guess. So what I want to say is clearly this is something that is happening. And, you know, this really is putting National Hockey League officiating under an intense microscope. And we've noticed in the last week the way that people have been even more critical of officials than usual, especially when they're missing calls or calling things that maybe shouldn't be called. It's happening at a much higher frequency. So 
With that being said, now that the referees are under this microscope, we know that there could be this type of corruption going on. How do you guys want to see NHL officials be held accountable? Because I have some ideas on it, but I don't know if there's anything that you guys have had rolling around up there that could maybe, I don't know, I guess give the reputation back to the referees or at the very least hold them accountable. I'll I'll say this just to start, like, this has been happening in the sport for as long as we've known. And in all in other, sports, honestly. In, in all, Yeah, in all sports. And, and other referees, current and retired, have come out and, and backed Tim Peel and said, yeah, you know, this is part of the game. You know, other like the the 80s and the, and the early 90s hockey, like, would never have been able to be the way they were if they didn't preset yeah calls to go against guys to to discipline them for before things got out of hand otherwise it would just be a giant bloodbath every game back then obviously the game's different now it's not it's not as physical it's more skill based and speed based and everything like that but i mean what i want to happen to the referees i don't know i mean i think that if i mean i'm sure there's already a grading system that they use to determine what refs are going to get to officiate, you know, to, to game seven of the Stanley cup finals, you know what I mean? So like if guys are consistently making bad calls and calls that don't make sense and calls that shouldn't be called, then you need to dock playoff games from them. If they're already in that tier of, all right, this is like one of our top officials and we're going to dock them from, you know, working a, a whole series because, of what they did earlier in the season. But then again, if you already have officials in that top tier, you probably don't really expect that from them. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, go ahead, Sonny, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, it's not, it just kind of irritates me how, I mean, like, coming from a broadcasting point of view, because I've worked in radio and I've done all the TV stuff, it's like, you should know never to be on a hot mic. Like, you should always shut your mic off. No matter what, like, even if I was about to like, like your mic is hot. That's right. Yeah, exactly. But even, even so you should like take your mic off, make sure it's turned off before you say some stupid comment. I know sometimes you're like in the moat, like in the mood to like whatever, but I don't know. I just feel like coming from that point of view, it's like always know that you you're on the air no matter what, even if you're off. Like you never know. So right. that kind of complete- just like pissed me off a little, but of course. And that's a completely understandable, you know, perspective to have, especially from your career in radio and, and using, you know, broadcasting technology, stuff like that. Um, I think the use of, of microphones is, I would like to consider fairly new with the NHL in terms of like miking up your officials. Oh, like, um, like lavalier mics? Yeah. Um, so I do see referees, especially older, older ones, more veteran ones like Tim Peel could definitely slip their mind that, Oh shit, I have a microphone on me. You know, maybe I should watch what I say. Um, but that also doesn't excuse the fact of, of what he did. You know, I, I sure as hell don't condone, um, makeup calls. Am I going to say I haven't made makeup calls in, in my short referee career? Probably not. I probably have. Um, but you know, it's at the youth hockey level, not the national stage, not the national right. hockey league. 
So I, I'm just curious to see how the referees react to this, how, how much, how, how more, how more cautious they are in what they do. Cause I, I, Hmm. I, I, I don't know how I think they're going to be very cautious, to be honest with you. Because I actually, when I was when I was doing a little bit of research, I did see um, uh, it's a small article there. You know, there's a referee who who you know was covering up his mic during he was telling a a player about a non call or something like that. So, like, I feel like in today's day and age, with the technology we have, um, it's really easy, especially how available media and statistics and and you know, just videos and stuff like this get out and how quickly it gets to people. You definitely got to keep that in the back of your mind. Like, Hey, I'm essentially being watched 24 seven or not 24 seven, but I'm being watched throughout this entire game, whether I, you know, know it or not. I think they need to have that in the back of their mind. But absolutely. I agree. So, but like Cam said, Ethan, like how would you discipline these referees? And so I, <laughs> You know, I think I'd, I'd treat it just like, just like player safety, you know, find the referees. I understand that the officials make the, at, at most, um, an entry level contract for a rookie, like the maximum 500,000. That's what they make at most, um, linesmen a little bit less, but I feel like <laughs> you hit them where it counts, hit them in the wallet, you know, they'll yeah. definitely start to say, Oh, Oh shit. You know, I need to be more cautious of, of what I do and how I um, hold myself accountable on the ice and how I conduct the games because you want it to be as, as fair as possible. And I do understand the human error act aspect of, of officiating, you know, sports, but I, I'd say definitely give them a fine, you know, because there, there's obviously, I, I don't know what the position is, but there's definitely like a head of officials for the NHL. There, there has to be. So I feel like that person should get together with their team and decide, okay, this is how we're going to conduct our officials here on out. This is how we're going to discipline them. This is how we're going to get it together of, you know, what, what we're going to do in cases where we fair, we feel their judgment was impartial or not impartial, uh, biased. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think I think there should be a fine, but I also I think that maybe they should be suspended for a couple games, and you know, um, like it's just like you said, like players can go, uh, they can get a fine and get suspended for like two or how many other games, but maybe that's what they should also do for the refs and linesmen. Like, I don't know if that they have some sort of deal like that now, but I think it would I- help. I don't think they necessarily have a deal like that. More so, if you're not doing well, you're just not going to get as many games. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, in terms of suspension, I totally understand that for players, but I feel like there aren't enough referees to to be able to replace the other ones that get suspended who have the experience of officiating in the National Hockey League. Because yeah. a lot of the referees, um, or a lot of the newer referees, I'd say, do, you know, partial time with the American Hockey League and the NHL. So they're not necessarily as experienced in the NHL. I suppose, you know, you need to do some games to get your confidence in, in the, the, the big stage, the NHL. But 
I just don't see it being feasible to suspend referees. Um, I think it's more so just you should find them. Yeah. Well, before we move on from this topic, because we do have a lot of other things we want to hit on here during this episode, the one thing that I am just putting out there that I think could be an interesting experiment, I've heard this proposed a lot in the world of European soccer, and it's an idea that I'm sure has been proposed uh, in pretty much every sport here in the United States that we consider to be a major sport. But we hold players, coaches, general managers, team presidents to, uh, you know, we hold them very accountable. We expect things of them and we ask them to speak to the things that we hold them to and things like pre and post game interviews and things like that. So should national hockey league officials and the rest of officials across all of American sports be required to, or at least expected to give occasional or frequent post game interviews to explain decisions made on the ice? Um, I think that's a very interesting uh, idea you bring up, or concept rather. I can totally understand from, you know, a a fan-based point of view of I would like to really understand what the officials were thinking, but also from, you got to think of a a marketing perspective. Um, I don't think interviews with officials will get many ratings. I don't think yeah. post-game interviews like that will see a lot of people watching it, in my personal opinion, and that will do whatever damage to ratings to whatever um, broadcasting. Well, the thing is, is like it doesn't necessarily have to be a televised event. Like It just has to be something that the league holds with the officials post-game. It, do- it doesn't have to be televised on the radio or anything like that. It just is something that is done on perhaps behalf of the league that, you know, can be, you know, granted access to whatever teams participated in the game that they are, you know, the the officials have just finished officiating. Mm -hmm. I just think it's an interesting idea and a way to give the officials an outlet to try to explain themselves, even if what they say ends up being bullshit, like half of the general managers and coaches end up doing anyway. (laughs) I mean, we have the, we coined the term on the show hockey player answer for a reason, but I just think it's an interesting idea because I've certainly seen that idea thrown out a lot in the world of European soccer. And honestly, I'm for it. I think that it is good to, a good way to hold the officials accountable, but it lets them explain themselves and hopefully, you know, in theory, could lay off some of the scrutiny that they get when they make a call that maybe isn't considered to be agreeable. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think they'll ever do it, Cam, just strictly because... I think all these all these leagues want to keep officiating as small of a part of the game as possible. Yeah, because that's fair. It's all, because it's all about the players that are playing the game, that are on the field, that are on the the ice, the surface, whatever. Although I agree with you, like I think, I mean, so your Euro soccer does that. They don't do that, but there's a lot of people who are really demanding it just because of the way that there has been proven max match fixing with video assistant referee. There's still a lot of calls that get blown that are clearly incorrect even after they look at it. So there's just a lot of that happening in European soccer, especially in the Premier League. And and given just what's happened in the NHL in the last week or so with officiating, I think it's an interesting idea to at least explore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I just don't see the NHL being that first league to do that for yeah, sure. But, but like, 
if that was already going on, like across other professional sports, whether it be in America or not, I would say, hell yeah. Sometimes, I mean, not all the time, but especially sometimes some of these, some of these officials that officiate the games that their decision sways so much on the outcome of the game. Like sometimes they deserve to come out and talk about it. But then again, you see, you know, officials that have gone on to make horrible horrible calls that end up it ends up haunting them for the rest of their life and they realize they messed up and they don't even want to have like the I mean they might want the opportunity to come out and say that they messed up and they will but they'll they'd rather handle that with within the league with the player or the players or the team that they messed it up for I mean the biggest example I think of is who was that umpire that um oh dead blew the perfect, perfect game, game. With the Detroit Tigers um yeah. in that picture that was like what was that like almost 10 years ago now it seems yeah, like about. like that but I do but remember it, I do remember he obviously felt horrible oh yeah it. and he like came out and said that he felt horrible about it because he just blew this guy's opportunity to be one of like a handful of pitchers to throw a perfect game and he blew it but like I, I don't know I just think I just think the leagues would just want it to just stick to what happens on the field and not what the officials have to say about about the game. Jim Can you Joyce. Stop snoring, goddamn. The umpire's Hi. name is Jim Joyce. Yeah, Jim Joyce. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. And I, I don't want I don't want you to think that I I don't agree with it because I absolutely would love to see that. Honestly, especially from from an officiating standpoint, I'd love to know, you know, what the the higher-ups, if you will, like the, the the stars, you know, the referees who, you know, someday I might strive to be, you know, working in a, in a higher league. Like, what what are their thoughts? What are they thinking? You know, oh, I, I messed up or I could have done this or, or yeah, this is my this is my reasoning why I made this call and, and I'm going to stick by it. So just so I could maybe further my career in officiating, maybe I could um, work on my game and, and aspects where I definitely could use some work or Maybe I'm doing something wrong that I thought I was doing right. Something like that, I guess. But I, I definitely think it would be really interesting to see something like that. All right, perfect. Well, moving on from this topic, as we spent a while on that, I do want to move on to holding some more people accountable. And as Nick wrote down in our no- notes, the Bruins stink in all capital letters, <laughs> despite being 4-2-1 and one in their last seven games and going 7-4-3 and three throughout the month of March. I think we can all agree the team seriously has a lot of humps to get over. And oh, yeah. um, Nick, our resident uh, Bruins rager, as I guess I can call him, um, you have a lot to say on this. I certainly have a lot to say on this as well. I imagine you guys do too. But Nick, I want to throw it to you. Yeah, it's it's insanely frustrating and like, What's crazy to think about that stat too, like in their last seven games, they they're four two and one, and just listening to local sports talk radio today, it was yep. like, you heard it today. They were like, really? Because this team sucks. <laughs> they do. Yeah, you're like, I mean, pinch me. Is this actually happening? <laughs> like seriously, like like Felger came out today and was like, I if they lost that game last night, I was ready to do another one of those commercials. Remember that commercial two years ago when he was yep. like, the team's too young. Too too young, and, was, <laughs> and the Bruins made a commercial about it, and then they lose to the, to the Lightning or whatever, or or was that the Stanley Cup year? I forget. That I don't was know. the it Lightning year. Yeah, so it's just like this team. Just it's you see players that just look disinterested, like David Pasternak. Still, again, like he gets placed on the second line last night, 
uh, with Krejci for pretty much most of the game. And I just see no jump out, out of him. Like once the puck gets out of the offensive zone, neutral zone, he does nothing. He kind of just hovers around and just kind of waits for somebody to try and get him the puck. And then he'll, he'll go to the middle, try and make a move and won't make a move. And then all of a sudden it's a broken play and it's going the other way again. Um, what's wrong with Tuka Rask? I, I, I mean, supposedly it looked, it looked like a back, you know, his first game, his first game back after, um, the COVID, uh, like the little COVID hiatus they had to take. And it looked like that game back against the devils or, or whoever, I think it was Buffalo or something. He like reached to go cover a puck and just like kind of pulled up on his back. And then we didn't see him for the rest of the game. And then Halak came in and, and nearly blew the freaking game or it did. He probably did. And then like defensively, like last night, it was just like, mm, like last night made me feel like, the Bruins really could have used a guy like Zdeno Char last night. Yeah, you know, really could have, uh, you know, had a leader on that back end for the young guys to go to, like a guy like Jeremy Lozon, who throws not one but two pucks in front of the in front of the slot on a def- in the defensive zone that leads to a goal. I mean, that one that he gave to Palmieri was like I saw. I saw it blow up on Twitter last night. Like, oh, it looks like Jeremy Lazan's already working on his practicing, like passing to the passing the puck to Kyle Palmieri because the Bruins are probably going to get him. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's funny and all, but like that is fucking scary too. Like, the last thing I want to see is any defenseman that plays at this level should already know and does know, but it happens subconsciously sometimes. That you don't throw the puck in front of the net in your own defensive zone. Mm-hmm. And it's like defense one on one. Literally. Yeah. And I like Jeremy Lazan. I think he's a great player. And I hate to just like pick on him, but it was just like he stood out like a sore thumb last night so badly. It was so bad. And I expect him to kind of be like one of your better, younger defensemen. But I mean, Connor Clifton, every game, it, it's either he has two or three turnovers or he's in the box two or three times, it seems like. Um, I don't know if Tenori is still hurt or if they just were like, all right, hey, you did your service, you fought Tom Wilson, then you got hurt, and you know we're all good with you. But like, I don't need to see a guy like Stephen Stam- uh, Stephen Campfer in the lineup anymore. Like, he's a he's a <laughs> squirrely vet, and he scored a big goal in the playoffs last year, and he had a good goal the other uh, two nights ago or whatever. But it's like he doesn't do anything. Like, why isn't a guy like Euro back in nine? And if you're trying to go with a younger defensive core, why isn't he playing instead? You know, John Moore, I'm done with. Kevin Miller hasn't seen the, he's played. Kevin Miller's played 15 games this year out of, I think, 32. And he's, I have no clue where he is. So I'm not going to bank on him to be there to, to be like the leader of the back end. Matt Grizzlick and Charlie McAvoy, They've been your they've been your best two defensemen, and you know, thankfully, Brandon Carlo comes back last night, and he played really well. I think the team missed him defensively, but you know, you can only this team is built to only be one way, like, and they're not built to be an offensive powerhouse. You're built on D and on goaltending. So when the offense has to turn it up and be better than the defense, the team's in trouble. Because they don't have enough, they don't have enough secondary scoring to to back up their their good their usual good defensive play. 
And I'm sorry, but like Nick Ritchie is just kind of having an anomaly of a season. His brother, Brett, who's playing in Calgary, is like lighting it up playing on the second line in Calgary. And Calgary is in way, has had way bigger issues than Boston. But to me, it's just like there, there's just so many holes in this lineup. And I don't think you have enough ammunition, whether it be in the AHL or out on the trade market, like with Don Sweeney, like Don Sweeney might not see that there's a good enough player to go out there to give up some of their quote unquote young assets to get. That's, that's my rant for now. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to say about last night and you know, it feels like even when they win, it feels like they lose because there's just so many ways that we can look at how they play and what they do throughout these games that just make you want to pull your hair out. And I want to go to the the events that sparked the team's eventual comeback last night with Brad Marchand. Uh, he dropped the gloves with uh, Brat. Brat did not get the chance to drop the gloves, which was a huge blessing for the Bruins, quite frankly. Um, but they both get two minutes for roughing, matching penalties. Marchand comes out of the box, scores a goal, and they're right back in the game. But as soon as that's happening, I'm thinking... I, I originally I thought Marshawn's going to go to the box for five. They're going to get five minutes each for right. fighting. They were so yeah. they were so lucky they didn't call five for fighting and that it wasn't a real fight because Marshawn would have been out there to score the goal. Yeah, exactly. That was my first thought. I mean, a guy like that cannot be coming off the ice at a crucial a crucial stage of the game at any point in the game when you're down. I think it was three to one at the time. So that was my initial thought. He comes out, he scores a goal, but I mean the way that he was looking at his teammates last night, just like, what are we doing? Like, where is everybody? I'm the only one out. He, he was great last night in pretty much every way. It took until about five minutes left in the third period for anybody on the Bruins roster to seem as if they were playing up to his level. They were all yeah. sleeping pretty much. Brad Marchand should not be the guy to have to drop the gloves. Yeah. Like, I I get it. Like Chris Wagner has been out of the lineup for, I don't know how long now. And it seems like they've kind of just given up on him because they know what he is and they'd rather see what these young guys can do. So if you're a guy like Anton bleed, um, or fucking Trent Frederick, like you're there to mix things up. And like, that's pretty much it. Especially if you're Anton bleed, who's getting called up from the AHL, who, who's a guy who, I don't know how future, how bright his future might be. I, the way I watch him play, I don't think it's very bright at all, but like him and Carson Kuhlman, like those are two guys that you bring up and you say like, Hey, why don't you go out there and just hit everything that moves and try and spark, spark this team, get this team going. Jeremy Lazan's another one who you kind of expect to like stick up for the team and stick up for his teammates. Like granny, he just came, he's just coming back from a broken hand, but like Cassidy basically called out, you know, all the young guys last night after the game saying like, yeah, Marsh is like, he's a great leader for us and everything, but that's not the way we want him to lead. Like he's there to help us put the puck in the net and like play good two-way hockey. So what is it? Like, I, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't take a guy like Brad Marshawn to do that. Brad Marshawn shouldn't have to drop the gloves on this team because quite frankly, he's been your best player for the last probably five years. And if he were to, if he were to actually get in that fight with Jester, Jesper Bratt and Bratt, you know, takes him down and he falls down awkwardly and, you know, pulls a, pulls a hamstring or God forbid, like tears his ACL. Yeah. That's there it. goes your season pretty much. There goes your top, there goes your top offensive weapon. 
Yeah. I have to say, like, watching the game last night, I, I, whenever, it reminded me of whenever I watched uh, the Buffalo play. It's, like, cringeworthy. I feel sad for them. And then I'm, like, on the edge because I don't know what's going on. But then last night's game, I was, like, they're doing worse than Buffalo right now. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, at least Buffalo had a 3 nothing lead the other night. <laughs> Sony, I mean, when they almost lost to Buffalo, oh God. like, if oh. they had lost to Buffalo, I think, what was that, Saturday? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Guys, I probably wouldn't have done the podcast anymore because I wouldn't have wanted to talk about it. Now I say that jokingly, obviously, but like I I just yeah. sat on the couch like this, like with my with my hands like in my face, like watching over my knuckles, like, am I about to break my wall? Like, are they about to lose to the fucking Buffalo Sabres? I mean, it took because Craig course, Smith to score the damn goal. Craig Smith. <laughs> um, another guy I don't need on this team either, but I already know I can like, I can feel it like deep down inside me, like Buffalo's up three, three, one right now to Philly. They, they were up three, nothing to them, uh, two days ago, three days ago and lost. And they're still in this atrocious losing streak. But I know the, I know for a fact that Buffalo continues to lose the next time they play Boston, they're going to beat Boston. Because that's just how it's gonna go. That's how that's how this Bruins team is. They play down to the level of their opponents far too often. Yeah, I mean nobody hates Boston sports teams more than Boston sports teams fans. But and that's and evident of that is just the other night, the first game of the of the doubleheader with not doubleheader, but of the two game homestand against New Jersey. The obviously the Bruins they lost the game one nothing. There's a lot to be said about the Bruins' performance in that game. And it should not have come down to the two goals that were ultimately taken away from the Bruins, both within the last number of minutes of the game. But I found myself wanting those goals to not count. I will say I agree with the officials' calls on both of those co- uh, both of those goals. The goaltender interference one, it's kind of wishy-washy. It could have gone either way. I'm not complaining about the call. The second one definitely didn't cross the line, at least in my mind. But I found myself not wanting those goals to, to count at all because I wanted them to lose. And maybe that's just the spiteful shit in me that I've lived with my entire life. Maybe that's all that is. But I, I it, it's so easy to root against a team like this who going into the season, and maybe we all overrated them, but going into the season should have been better and it is truly underperforming. Yeah. Ethan, did, did you happen to see the two goals that got uh that weren't considered that were considered no goals? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the, the puck definitely wasn't over the line. Um the goaltender interference, it's one of those calls where I I really hate I really hate the goaltender interference because it's so it's such a gray area. Um I could definitely I see that one was pretty blatant though. No, 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 absolutely no. I I, I agree that was probably interference but it's just one of those calls that will forever be no one's going to agree with it 100% unless the goalie gets taken out kind of thing but uh, to me it's like if the go- it's kind of like an unwritten rule right like if the goalie has a puck covered you don't hit them you don't yeah. you don't go, you don't touch their glove you don't touch their blocker you don't touch their stick like it it is and, what it is and, and if you knew- shoved to the puck out <laughs> From yeah. out of his goal or out of his trapper and it led to the goal. And then continued to push him into the net. I mean, it wasn't even yeah. just that. Which, come on. Like, you're right. It's it's absolutely an unwritten rule. And if if you're going to do it, you, you best be ready because defense should be all over you. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just it's just maddening. Like in even though they're still like fourth in the division, but I don't know. I mean, with the way Philly's playing, it's like I almost feel a little bit more confident because Philly has just been so bad as of late. They've gone downhill like, since like mid season. Yeah, it's yeah. embarrassing for us since two of the people sitting here picked them to win the division, myself included. <laughs> it wasn't me, was it? No, <laughs> I don't even remember who I picked. I think it right was now, right now they're making a goalie change against Buffalo. But yeah, Buffalo is up um, four to one. It's nuts. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just this team is just tough to watch. And I noticed too, like on the Bruins roster on their website, Jake DeBrusque isn't there. Yeah, I noticed that too. So I don't and, know what's up with that. And Sean Corrali is there, and they were both in COVID protocol. So I tweeted at like Elliot Friedman last night, and I'm like, "Hey, did the Bruins trade DeBrusque? Why isn't he on the roster?" Got no reply. Obviously, wasn't expecting. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like, hey, can somebody that like is within the organization say what's going on? Because if they traded him for like a bag of fucking new practice jerseys, then I wouldn't be surprised. Do you want me to like hold up a sign tomorrow? Just, just ask that question. Yeah. Yeah. Can you just write, <laughs> Hey, where's JD 74? Maybe he'll, Perfect. maybe he'll end up coming down from like the, from upstairs and like buy you a popcorn or something. Perfect. <laughs> I'll, I'll do a big sign. <laughs> <laughs> As well. I mean, for your sake, Sonic, I hope, I hope when you go to the game tomorrow, I hope they put on a good performance and can win the game. I hope they don't get, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but we're definitely losing. I mean, we're playing the Penguins. Yeah. So, surging and getting only more and more healthy lately. So, I mean, I'm going in there. I I mean, I hate to say this because I'm a Bruins fan, but like, I'm, yeah. Are you the kidding Penguins. me? Look at me. I'm wearing a Bruins reverse oh, retro jersey that I just got and I just tore them a new <laughs> asshole. And I'm going to continue to do that. I mean, we're all going to do it. That's, that's makes us, you know, Bruins fans. <laughs> yeah. I, and then, and like Charlie Coyle too is just like, Another guy, it's like, did they just fall in love with another local kid? And they're like, yeah, we can, yeah, he, you know, he deserves a big fat contract extension that's worth like $6 million a year. Like, yeah, he'll be our next Krejci. It's like, ugh, I don't know. I don't think he ever had the skill set to be a next Krejci, but it does seem like the, it yeah, seems no. like the Shirelli effect where a guy comes in, does really yeah. well, and they, and they commit too hard to him. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. And I don't know what um, they're going to do at the deadline. Right? Like, Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. Thank you for the segue, though, Nick. I have been trying to move this onto the trade deadline. We can start with the Bruins going into the trade deadline. Uh, but I do also want to talk about how Buffalo has finally begun to sell their disaster of a hockey team, uh, <laughs> moving Eric Stahl from uh, Buffalo Sabres to the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for a third and a fifth round pick. I think that's great for I think, Eric yeah, Stahl. Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> I think it's great for Eric Stahl. I think it's a you know, fairly decent return for him for given what he is and his age and all of that jazz. But I want to ask you guys the question, who is going to be next to go from the Buffalo Sabres system, and why is it Taylor Hall? It's got to be Taylor <laughs> Hall. It has to be Taylor Hall. They've been talking about him nonstop. I mean, it's it's because of his name and who he is and where he was drafted. I mean, yeah, somebody's going to overpay for him. And I mean, I know I said it two weeks ago, Cam. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Washington. And we've seen a lot of. I mean, I've seen a lot of other reports say, oh, you know, Toronto would probably go after go after him too. Um, 
but there was some some guy from Sportsnet or something that did like this whole list of trades, like a trade for every team. And they had Taylor Hall coming to the Bruins for uh, Jake DeBrusque, uh, Jack Stadnika, and a first round pick. And I was like, God no! Oh no! Listen, that would be the worst. And with the Bruins situation, I'll be 100% honest with you. I'm not even super opposed to the idea of Taylor Hall coming over here. I stand by everything that I've always said about him. I don't like him. I think he's an absolute toxic, you know, uh, uh, poison to any locker room. He's a coach killer. The rumors have been out there for a long time. A lot of guys have come forward and said, mostly anonymously, that he's one of the worst guys they've ever played with, one of the worst guys they've shared a locker room with. We can go into all of that, but given the Bruins situation, I'm not even opposed to the idea of it. Am I okay with the idea of something like DeBrusque, Stugnika, and a first-round pick? Absolutely not. I'm thinking, given the situation that he's in, the numbers that he's put up this year and his reputation, the highest pick I'm giving is a two or a three, and you know, some kind of middle-of-the-road prospect young player. And you throw I, Jake DeBrusque in there, that's totally fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah I'd, I'd give up Jake DeBrusque for him. Just because at least I know like Taylor Hall is going to maybe he'll try. Unlike Jake DeBrusque, once he gets hit, he just kind of gives up for the rest of the game. Um, but no, I, Taylor Hall to me, especially given this year, the way everything is going and how he's playing and, you know, what these teams have to do to just like stay under the salary cap and swapping a first round pick for for taylor hall this year when he's gonna walk at the end of the year most likely anyway no not worth it no way to the blue jackets what i said send him to the blue jackets i feel like everyone's just being traded there <laughs> yeah he'll fit right in with patrick lyonet with not exactly not listening to <laughs> i could trade it again the second time this season <laughs> poor thing <laughs> i don't know that as a rumor but i just wouldn't be surprised yeah I do want to open this up a little bit more to the to the entirety of the league with the trade deadline. It is coming up on April the 12th. So, Ethan, your Tampa Bay Lightning, who have been on a bit of a cold streak lately, I want to know going into this deadline if there's any sort of move that you are looking for the Lightning to make. Is there a player you want them to bring in or anything at all? Is there a player you want them to move on from? What, are the, what do you expect the Lightning to do come April 12th? So in terms of, of the Lightning, I think honestly – if they're going to make a move, it would probably have to be on the back end on their defense because I, yeah, yeah, we have a, a couple of good name players, you know, Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, you know, Eric Cernak, but I think, I think that's what they got to focus on. I mean, they have a, they have a pretty decent offense as, we, as we've seen. Um, I know recently they just traded, uh, who did they trade? I think it was... Alexander Volkov, I think it was for, um, it was a like a draft pick. I think they t- they traded him to the Ducks or something like that. Um, I know they recently just signed a entry level contract to somebody from Quinnipiac, I believe it was, but I think he's going down to the crunch. Um, I don't know. I, I I think we should probably move some of the defensive players because I I just don't. I, I, I know they're they're a good good defense, but I just I really don't see any other moves that I can think of. Well, we saw honest. them do that last year. I was actually listening to the uh, episode that Ethan and I did, just the two of us last year, uh, the 2020 the trade deadline extravaganza, 
um, just because, uh, honestly, it was because I thought maybe I'd end up hosting tonight and I wanted to see what I liked and what I didn't like about what I did. So I was listening to that. And we saw Tampa Bay bolster up on defense. They went for Zach Bogosian, who ended up paying. I mean, we both were kind of like, eh, I don't know if this is going to pay yeah. off for them. How is he going to slot in? Is he just going to be a seventh guy? Is he going to play regular minutes? Obviously, he went on to help them win the Stanley Cup once uh, the bubble resumed NHL play. So basically what you're saying is you think that they should go for a depth guy on defense, maybe a seventh string guy, somebody they can insert in easily. I think they should. Cause they've, they've recently moved a lot of players down to the crunch. Um, I, I just think it would make the most sense to me, honestly. I mean, they're going to have to do something just to keep Florida off their back. I mean, Florida is they're creeping. They have one more game played and they just lost Aaron Eckblad. So you know that they're going to be, you know, chopping at the bit to try and add somebody on their back end because Ekblad's money now doesn't count towards their salary cap. Absolutely. Um, I I have been kind of, I don't want to say pissed off, but just kind of confused at how the Lightning have been playing lately. You know, they, I think they're on like a three-game losing streak right now. They mm-hmm. lost to Columbus. They lost to Dallas, um, which I really hated that game, if I'm going to be honest, because... Or they, they didn't lose to Dallas. They, they beat yeah, Dallas they by one goal, but... No, they lost to Dallas 4-3, and then they lost to Carolina 4-3, and then lost to Columbus 3-1. I... And then they beat, they beat Dallas the night before they lost to them. Which, I'm going to be honest, I don't think they should have won that game. I mean, I know Yanni, Yanni Gord had a, had a nice goal there to, to get the game winner in the second period, but they've just been kind of sloppy in, in terms of just how they played the puck. You know, it's it's a lot of just stupid mistakes they make, especially around a blue line, which end up biting them in the ass. But I don't know. They they need to they need to find find something to spark them again. But that's just I mean, kind of where I'm at with that. They definitely can't afford to lose to a team like Detroit. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, Detroit. Like, if the Lightning are going to be up against Detroit, like, granted, they should probably give Vasilevsky a night off. Um. Or something along those lines, but even like, like Nashville. I mean, Nashville's been playing better too, but I don't know. I mean, you. But then again, like the Lightning played a lot of games this this month. I mean, granted, most teams have, but their April kind of looks a little bit lighter. But and they they started off with a three game homestand and then three on the road, and then they have a fat homestand. One, two, three, four, five. So. Then they have a six games at, at home out of seven to wrap up uh, April. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to, Tampa, Bay, Tampa Bay always seems to pull off some sort of move, whether it be on the back end of the, or the front end to help solidify their run. So um, I don't know what kind of injuries they're dealing with or anything like that on the back end, but I feel like, you know, between McDonough and, uh, and Hedman, you know, and then after that, it's just kind of like all Sergachev too. Like it's all like solid guys. So unless they try and pull off some sort of blockbuster where they move Sergachev to try and get like another already proven defenseman in the league or something like that, maybe a pending UFA that they feel like they could re-sign and keep. I don't know. I f- I feel like the Lightning could just stand pat. They're a good enough team. We are getting a little bit crunched for time here, so we're not going to be able to hit everything that we wanted to hit on today. There's a couple really quick things that I do want to discuss before we move on to pucking around. So if you don't have a question yet, now's the time to get thinking. 
But the thing that happened last night that a lot of people have been talking about was uh, an incident that occurred in, between the Montreal Canadiens and the uh, Edmonton Oilers where the poster boy for the National Hockey League, Connor McDavid, elbowed uh, Kotkin Niemi. I think I got the name right. I don't know his first name. I don't care right now. Um, just went out of his way to elbow Kotkin Niemi. He was fined $5,000 for the elbow today. But somebody, whoever wrote this, I think it was Nick who wrote this in our notes, asked the question, if there was anybody else in the league, what would the penalty have been? What would the suspension have been? Whatever, the punishment. And I'm going to open that up to you guys, but I mean, I'm going to say right out of the right out of the gate, if it's anybody who isn't considered a poster boy of the National Hockey League, a Crosby, a McDavid, a Matthews, anybody of that, I guess you could say social caliber throughout the league, so to speak, or fanfare caliber, it's going to be, a, I'm probably going to say a suspension, <laughs> you know? I, I would absolutely, I'd agree yeah. with that. Honestly, if it wasn't, if it wasn't a person, like you said, of high social standards um, or standings, I think it definitely would have been, you know, game misconduct, maybe even a match, depending upon how bad an injury could have been. Uh, I definitely think a suspension probably of a couple games, nothing too crazy, but definitely a suspension. Um, yeah, suspension but, and probably like a bigger fine. Well, that's the max. Well, 5,000. Yeah, that's the max. 5, it can be. Oh. So, yeah, if it's any other player, literally, Cam, like you said, it, Crosby or, you know, even like Nathan McKinnon or somebody of that stature, like yep. they're probably getting their, if it's any of those guys, they're not getting suspended, which is why McDavid probably didn't. Um, well, not probably it, it isn't. Um, and it is Chessberry Kakaniemi is his first name, Chessberry. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a, I don't know. Did you guys watch the replay and see the hit? I mean, it was a tough elbow. Yeah. He, it was a tough one. Yeah. See, it, it almost to me looked like he. I, I feel like it was a targeted hit. If that yeah, makes I think sense. I think it was on purpose because the puck was nowhere near the play. No, so yeah, like, I can't even give him the excuse of oh, puck was near him. No. Tell you one thing though, next time Montreal and Edmonton get together, that'd be a fun game to watch. I bet. Oh yeah. And, and, it, probably- and if Montreal really goes after McDavid, it'll be interesting to see how he reacts to that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And who comes to his defense, which I imagine every single Edmonton Oiler on the ice in that moment will come to his defense. But still, oh, yeah. I, I'm more interested to see his personal reaction to getting that kind of, I assume, what will be physical scrutiny. Zach Cassian would absolutely manhandle somebody. Yeah. If they yeah. ever to get near Connor McDavid. Absolutely. And before we get to pucking around here, I do want to mention... Boston is still the city of champions. The Boston Pride have won the Isabel Cup in the National Women's Hockey League. They are the first team to win the uh, title twice since the league's inception. They defeated the Minnesota Whitecaps 4-3. to three. This was, what, a f- three or four days ago now? I don't remember as the time of this recording. But I just want to throw out a congratulations to them, the Boston Pride. I've been meaning Woo-hoo. to go see them play in person. You know, obviously, the pandy has kind of put a halt to all of that, so... It's just fantastic to see another Boston team win. And and I, I really want to see the women's game continue to grow. Yeah, yeah, same. Big congrats to the Boston Pride. Got to sharpen uh, Kaylee Fracken's skates one time when I was working at my old job. She oh, was cool. Super, she was super nice, and she's uh, I'm pretty sure she's an alternate captain. So. Oh, that's Did awesome. Did you get an autograph? 
Nah, I didn't even know. That. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then, like, she left, and I was like, oh, like, who is that? Like, she had, like, some really nice skates, and the guy was like, dude, she plays for the Pride. And I was like, no. <laughs> but I, saw them go- I-, I got to see them practice before one of my men's league games, men's oh, league cool. games this year at, at uh, Thayer Academy. They are fucking nasty. I, would I will so. say that when it comes to men's sports versus women's sports, hockey tends to be pretty, you know, the, the women's hockey standard when it comes to the pros and the international game, when you get to the Olympics and whatnot, tends to be a pretty high standard and, and fairly close to, as close as you can get to the men's caliber of play. So yeah. that's why I think that the, the NWHL and women's hockey has the potential to actually do very, very well once the league continues to grow. And next year we should all go to a game. I completely agree. Yes, I, I'm down for that. If if I'm around, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. We'll pick all you right. up. Well, I hope you've oh, yeah. all got questions. <laughs> I hope you've all got questions because it's time for... Uh, uh, uh. Fucking around. <laughs> Quit fucking around. Oh, fuck you. No, hey, fuck you. Fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Guys. Stop pucking around. And pucking around. Who do I want to start <laughs> with today? Any volunteers? And Ethan is immediately shaking his head. So Ethan, buddy, you don't. I'm, you don't, I'm still. You don't I'm still thinking. You, don't you can ask. Yet? You can ask me to start, I will, but I won't. We talked anything. about the trade deadline. I guess I can go first. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Sonig, she volunteers as tribute. Miss Veradian, what do you got? I yes. Okay, so. Which player will generate the most interest ahead of the tra- trade deadline? Well, I mean, Sorry. I think if he's on the table, it'd have to be a guy like Jack Eichel. Yeah, but I don't, I just, I still don't think Buffalo's going to trade him. I mean, personally, I don't either. Um, I would like to see him get moved for his sake, <laughs> but. Oh, yeah, same, totally. I mean, but to, to keep it in the Buffalo system, I think Rosmus Ristolainen is a guy who could generate a lot of interest on the back end. Dude, that, that dude's beard is so bad that, like, shit <laughs> the, the scrap. Oh, dude, it is ugly. We Oof. have high beer, uh, beard standards on this show, and it certainly does remind me of, like, early Sidney Crosby 2009 Stanley Cup final type of beard. It's just not up to the standards I mean, that we have. They're all pretty bad this year. I mean... You got some players that I'm like, oh god, just to shave it all off. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I just saw him and I was like, oh god, like, and he's like not a bad player either. Like, he's a good defenseman, like big boy, but like, ugh, that is one ugly dude. Yeah. Then you add the missing teeth. Perfect. True. <laughs> uh, I think I think the biggest name at the deadline is Matthias Ekholm from, just, from yeah. Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that was my pick. It's just it just seems like it's a foregone conclusion that most likely Nashville's going to try and trade him. But then again, Nashville's been rolling kind of as of late too, and they're I think they're in that fourth playoff spot right now in that division. So I don't know. It, it'll be interesting, but it just seems like Ekholm is like the number one name right now, and he's a big name, a solid defenseman. So anybody else? Uh, yeah, I mean, I we mentioned him earlier, but. I feel like Taylor Hall's a really interesting person on the trade trade deadline at least cuz you know like like Nick said you probably could see him going to Washington 
You know, I think that would be Bo. a really interesting person to look at. <laughs> or maybe he goes to Tampa. True. Very true. Definitely not it, Oilers, but... but... <laughs> no, nah, he ain't going there. Nope. <laughs> That's for sure. Nope. I also think, too, like, you got to keep an eye on Philly now with, like, with, with the way they're reeling. Like, is it time to try and move on from a guy like Jake Voracek? Yes. Yeah. You know? Or... He has not been doing very well for my fantasy team. Or do they choose to keep either Konechny or Nolan Patrick? Like, do you try and move one of them as well? It's... And they, like just, they just put Shane... They just put Shane Gossespierre in the cleared waivers. Like he, nobody claimed him, and he He's was a big a, cap hit. That's probably why. Yeah. yeah, but like he was a solid, solid defenseman the last handful of seasons. Like, so. All right. Well, I think that does it for that question. Thank you, Sonic. Nick, do you got one? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna come up with one uh, right now off the top of my head. So, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> given. Given my situation and what's going on in the rest of the world, uh, two-parter, A, do you plan on getting vaccinated? And B, would you still, and this kind of works in with what you're doing tomorrow, Sony, but would you still feel skeptical or skeptical going to a professional sporting event? And how badly do you want to go? I will answer this question. I got my first dose of the vaccine, I think, uh, last Saturday, the Saturday before I have my second dose coming up. I completely believe in the vaccine. This is a weird conversation that we're about to have. I completely (laughs) believe in the science of vaccines and all of that jazz. I do want the world to open up. Are we opening up a little bit hastily? I think so. But uh, when it comes to the sports side of it, if it wasn't so expensive, I would have probably already gone to a Bruins game and I will be going to a Red Sox game in May. That is confirmed. So if well, that doesn't say it, I'm very, very excited to get back into the buildings for sports. I am getting my vaccine in a few days, um, but I am also going to a Bruins game tomorrow. And precautionary, I am wearing a double mask and gloves because I'm very cautious. I know. Don't look at me like that, Cam. No, the double mask it. is an interesting choice, but the gloves are too. Well, I'm just being very cautious. Um, well, I feel like you have to be cautious, especially if, you know, you were to see like your parents, because I know they weren't they aren't they high risk or something like that? Or... Yeah, I mean, my, both of my parents are, are vaccinated, but. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but it's just like precautionary reasons for myself, too. It's I don't I'm still a little weary about going to a game just because I mean, obviously, it's not at full capacity, but. I mean, do I want to go? Absolutely, because I love going to games. But I think further down the line, I mean, like I, like vaccines are not going to prevent you from getting COVID. So you still have to be careful. But slowly seeing things open up, I think, is a good thing, obviously. Um, but for me, I'm always going to be very wary about certain aspects of going to a, like a live game or like concerts. Forget it. And I'm not going there for another like two years. I'm going to one in November. Of course you are. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just, I'm just always cautious. So like for me, for tomorrow, I'm going to wear like my N95 and like gloves. So I'll be one of those people. And I don't, you know me, I don't give a shit. So (laughs) bring it on. (laughs) Um, I guess, guess my answer with this has to be uh, pretty Careful and official, so I, I will preface this by saying uh, my thoughts and views do not represent that of the United States Navy. I do not speak for them. 
I do not speak for the Department of Defense. I, uh, my views are my own and do not represent that of the Navy. Um, I, I believe I'll be getting a vaccine very soon. Um, they, at least on where I am, they rolled it out to, um, essential employees like our, um, our healthcare providers or our healthcare workers, um, the people who are more important that are going on deployment, the people, the crews for the, the boats that are on the pier that I, that I live at. Um, my instructors recently have, have gotten their first dose. Um, I do, I also believe in the science behind vaccines. Um, I will be getting it as, as soon as I'm allowed to, um, in terms of going out, you know, if I was allowed to go out, because as of right now, there are, there are certain restrictions that we have here. Um, I would be, I would be cautious. Um, you know, I'm not too freaked out by COVID because I feel like I'm a fairly healthy person, you know, especially being 21 years old. I feel like I'm not at a very high risk, but I could also see me being like a, a carrier. Is that, is that the right word? Um, I would definitely still wear like a mask outside in public. Um, I don't know if I go as far to say two masks and gloves, but, um, I don't know. I, I like to see things opening up, but I don't think, um, policies like they have in Texas. I don't think, I think that's a little overzealous to just get rid of masks and open everything up. And I don't agree with that personally. Um, and I hate to hate to interrupt you, Ethan, but no, I just no, got I, a I, I just got a news flash saying that the Flames and Canucks game is no longer happening because of COVID. So since we're talking about COVID, they just postponed the game for tonight, Wednesday, March thirty first. So bummer on that front, but I had to I had to say because we were talking about COVID. So um, well, considering I asked the question and I'm currently on the back end of having COVID right now. Uh, I wasn't scared when I tested positive. Well, maybe I'll say that for the very end, but to answer my own question, um, yeah, like I would go, but I'm kind of like you cam, like if it, if it wasn't so expensive, like obviously it's going to be because tickets are going to be so limited and I get that. Um, but like, obviously, uh, I'm going to wear a mask and I have been, I've been doing everything the right way ever since this whole thing started a year and three weeks ago. Um, like obviously I would love to go to a game, but like, I almost feel like, is it like worth going to like, like before I even got COVID, I, 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 I believe this, like, would it even be worth really going to like, is it worth like, is it worth like, I'm not, I wasn't worried for like, because of how I would handle things. It's more the other people because they're yeah. going to be people like Sonic. I'm sure you're going to see people tomorrow in and outside of the garden with no masks on fucking ripping butts and no hand sanitizer, nothing. There. Oh yeah. Nobody, I mean, hence why I'm wearing gloves and two masks tomorrow because I don't trust the people around me. It's not me. Yeah. So it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same. It's the same with me. Like it's not, me that I don't trust it's more of the other people and like if it were playoffs like obviously yeah I'd love to be there but also like 
I don't want to go to a game and watch the bees get fucking blown out. And I just spent $350 to go watch that. Yeah. And I can watch yeah, it at home and punch my wall for free. Expensive tickets. Yeah. So I'm kind of indifferent about going to see a live sporting event, at least now, maybe next year. I, I do just want to say, I'm going to go on a mini rant here and I've been holding this in for months and months and months. So before we get to Ethan and I's question, I just have to go on this little COVID rant. I hate how people have to preface everything that they fucking do or are going to do by saying I was wearing a mask or I was, I'm going to wear a mask when I go there. I listen to so many podcasts where people do this, where they say like, Oh, we did, you know, blah, 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 blah. Don't worry, everybody. We were wearing properly socially distanced. Shut the fuck up. Why do you care? Why do you care if little Billy, the kid who's listening to the podcast is like, oh, well, you, if you, what are you doing? Why aren't you doing anything? Why aren't you staying in your house 24 hours a day for the because last there are year? Those, like, there are those idiots who will be like, were you wearing a mask? Because guys, I've been so bored the last eight days. <laughs> <laughs> no, but literally, Cam, I, I totally get it because it's like you don't, you don't need to say it. Like, we fucking get it. Yeah. Like, obviously, Ethan's situation is a little different because he's in the Navy and he, you know, be, tread lightly there, buddy. But, you know, when it comes to us, it's like I have no shame in sitting here and saying that I'm going to a concert in November that was originally scheduled for May of last year, a concert which, to my knowledge, is going to be properly socially distanced and will require masks. I figure in the state of Massachusetts, that's a given that y'all should know that, you absolute fucking, I can't say that, hobnockers. I, <laughs> I don't know. Idiots. <laughs> yeah, I've been holding uh, that one in for a long time, and I could go on about it. But Ethan, uh, you've had a lot of time now to think of a question, so I'm hoping that you've got one. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> what a segue! <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I had to get off the rant. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so we, at not too long ago, we we're talking about women's hockey, um, the WNHL uh, or NWHL, rather currently only has six teams. Um, I know it's a, a fairly new league, but um, if you were to choose two more cities, because I feel like that, that makes sense, two more cities to have a women's team, uh, what cities would they be? Or what spots would they be at least? Uh, I got to yeah. know what cities are already being used. So currently, currently we have the Boston Pride, obviously yeah. in Boston, Mass., uh, the Buffalo Buttes in Amherst, New York, the Connecticut Whales uh, in Danbury, Connecticut, Metropolitan Riveteers, or Riveters rather, in Monmouth Junction, New Jersey, uh, the Minnesota Whitecaps, obviously Minnesota, St. Paul, and then the Toronto Six in Toronto, Ontario. Um, I'm going to go with Washington, D.C., baby, for one. <laughs> Got to get one down in the district. And I'd love, I'd love to see another one up in Canada to try to spark a rivalry there with the Toronto team. So let's go with uh, Montreal. I'm going to say Nashville because hmm? I feel like Nashville is just a good hockey market. Um, if I could, I'd go out west and I'd say put a team in L.A. I was going to okay. say either California or, hey, get on that Seattle train. Do it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, me, me personally, I think it would be a good idea to put a team in Chicago and Illinois because it's right near, you know, Minnesota. Um, 
And then I, I think I would also like to see it go down south a little bit, you know, whether it be in Florida or, um, or the Carolinas or something like that. I think that would be a interesting move because I don't think there's Tampa. <laughs> Tampa. Um, <laughs> yeah, they can, they can like uh, partner with the Lightning. It'll, it'll be nasty. I, as well. Yeah, they'll, they'll just I mean, they practice sure, together. <laughs> we sure as fuck wouldn't partner with the fucking Panthers, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's those are those, that's those are the spots that I'm thinking. Unless maybe put a, another team in Canada because there's only one. Canadian team, but good question. Cool to have like you. a Midwest team, like out of nowhere, or like like a South Arizona? Dakota team. No, like <laughs> a, a, one of those states that like doesn't have anything. And you just Nebraska? be like, oh, yeah, or like Nebraska, the Des Moines, Wyoming, Iowa, like light bulbs or some <laughs> random shit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like they could be like the Idaho, Idaho potato, whatever. Who knows? <laughs> Idaho. Yeah, Idaho. <laughs> the Idaho spuds. <laughs> Potato peelers. Who knows? I don't now, let's know. not offend anybody now. No, no but I'm Jesus, no, I would but never I'm just want saying. to do that, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing we need is to get canceled with our fifty listeners. Oh my god. <laughs> That, that's a whole nother rant we could go on about cancel culture, but that's oh, for a, dude, a different platform. Okay, let's not. I we, think could we, a bonus episode where, we could do a bonus episode with just me sitting here screaming about how stupid cancel culture is, but well, if I we're could, ready I to could, move on. I think we have a question, right? Huh? Cam. Is one more question. question. Yeah, it's just yeah. my question. And my question does kind of lean away from hockey, but I can say, I can tie it back into hockey at the end of the day. Uh, with the Major League Baseball season starting less than 24 hours as of this recording. And uh, today, if you're listening to this on the day of release, I asked this question, I think two years ago on a very early episode of the show. Um, if you were a major league baseball player, what would your walk-up song be when you're walking up to the plate? And if you want to tie it back, in, <laughs> if you want to tie it back into hockey, uh, there are some teams in the national hockey league where players have their own individual goal songs. I know the capitals are one of those teams. So if you don't want to play along with the baseball, you can play it that way as well. Songs out there. <laughs> walk-up. Walk-up would probably be like, so you get three, say, um, generally you get three at-bats per per game. Most guys kind of, some guys will switch up their walk-up song yeah. for each at-bat. So I think I would start with, uh, I think I would start with Coach Ice by Audio Slave for like my first at-bat, you know, really get the blood flowing. And then I would do, uh, uh, Goddamn Electric for my second at-bat by Pantera and then my third one I would end with some rap like Eminem or Dr. Dre like love it when you call me Big Pop <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know if you can do that I mean that was Big Poppy's uh, walk up song for a while yeah. at least up until he retired that's true, that's true. I always liked um, who, was it Pedroia that had still Dre yes that was a, that's always a good beat to walk up to. Gets you a little fired up. That's what I do. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for coming. If Ethan has an answer, I'm very interested to hear what he has to say because he can be a bit of a wild card with his music choice. So I'm I'm glad you you uh, turned it to me. Um, I <laughs> am 
I'm a fan of of uh, orchestral music, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So also movie classics. I would love to use Duel the Fates. I knew I think that that's was fan- going to be sad. I think that's a fan- fantastic song. <laughs> um, I think another song would probably be O Fortuna. I think that's a, a solid one. Um, and then I don't, I honestly, I don't know what a third one would be. Um, maybe something a little bit more, more modern. Like, I don't know. Tsunami is a classic, I think. Not classical, but a classic song. Um, who's that by? It's not Steve Aoki. That's not. TV BBSS? I think that's who it is. Dubs. <laughs> yeah. Some but, some sort of. <laughs> before we move on to uh, Nick's trying to play something through the mic and it's not playing, but I've just never heard of this Duel of Fates. I've never seen Star Wars. Oh, Duel of the Fates! Regardless of your opinion on Star Wars, <laughs> Duel of the Fates is one of the best pieces of music ever made for a movie. It's fantastic. Hey, I'm all I'm all for orchestral music. I think it's fucking awesome. Oh yeah, Reckon- listen to Duel of the Fates. I mean, I'm sure Ethan and I could give you a list of badass tracks from Star Wars. Uh, especially I mean, the prequels, I think that's I one of the Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sony as well. I'm like the nerd of scores here. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. Um, I think I think the prequels were where the music was at its best, personally. Um, unpopular opinion: I prefer Battle of the Heroes over Duel of the Fates uh, from Revenge of the Sith. But um, you know what? I I I'm okay with that opinion. I'm okay with that. Not that you need my approval, but I I'm alright with that. Well, I, I'll go. I'll go with like the Dark Trooper theme song from Mandalorian. Oh, I think that would be yeah. like. That's good. Nick is <laughs> that, so that's, that's annoyed like my... right now. <laughs> Not annoyed. I'm just like. You didn't like it? That's no. okay. You don't have to like it. I don't watch anything. Star I don't think he's seen. Yeah, I don't think but he's you, seen but it. You also have. You also have to. You also have to have the cinematics of it of you know Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul and. It's a that's, whole thing. I think that's all gibberish to Nick. <laughs> no, it, it absolutely is. Like, like I said, regardless of how you feel about Star Wars, the music throughout it is just totally iconic. It's fantastic. Mm. But before we get um, to Sonic's answer, I know we're dragging here. I just want to say, just in regards to Ethan's music taste, I was thinking about this the other day. I, was, I remember walking into the New England Sports Village one day for a Northeast Generals broadcast and driving right by me as I'm walking towards the door is Mr. Eastbald fuck himself with the windows down blasting what I can tell is hip hop. And as we're going by, he doesn't say a word other than what do you know about French rap cam? <laughs> Are you talking about like men Uh No, I'm rap? talking more like, I'm talking more, uh, more so like Maitre Gims or, or BS or uh sexual assault or groups like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I kind of like that. That's awesome. Really? <laughs> um, Sona, did you, did you answer? I don't remember. No. So uh, I think, well, I think I said part one, which is the Dark Trooper theme uh, from Mandalorian. Um, and staying on the score front, I would either do something with um, Blake Neely, who does all the DC comic stuff. Or uh, throw in a little Hans Zimmer action, maybe a little Pirates theme song. Who knows? Um, But then I think for, like, aggressiveness, I would probably pick something like Martin Garrix. And just, like, I don't know if you even know who Martin Garrix is. I know who Martin Garrix is. (laughs) I do. Martin Garrix is. 
Okay, so I would probably like end did, on that. He, he was uh, Animals, right? Did he make that song? Uh, yes, so. yes, he did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. God, so that's my, that's my, I would go for. Yeah, right. You know who actually also made some some pretty decent music that I'm really sad that he passed away uh, was Avicii. I was I was a big fan of Avicii. You know, little levels going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Nick's, I like that. As Nick rolls his eyes. <laughs> it, it's a good song, but like, my God, was that so overplayed when it came? Oh, out. I, I absolutely. <laughs> I just hate nowadays. Actually, I'm really furious at how radio culture now is just TikTok songs. That really pisses me off. Makes me want to barf. I mean, Never dude, I'm, I can't lie. There's a number of songs that are in my recently added playlist right now that I found on TikTok that I don't associate with TikTok now because I just found them and I'm like, hey, that's actually a really good song. I really enjoy that. Don't even have TikTok. Never will. It's so, probably for the better. I, yeah. I've, I'm, I've fallen down the dark hole that is TikTok. Um, it's taken over a lot of my life. I don't post anything. I just watch a lot of videos. Seems yeah, to be. No, I'm in the same boat. Your it's generation kind of, and people. You youngins. It's all you youngins. <laughs> the youth. But then again, plenty of people my age use it too. And I'm like, nah, I'm all set. I mean, I know my mom is getting into it. She's, But she watches mom things like, um, I don't know. <laughs> Recipes like cooking or like cat videos or HGTV. <laughs> um, oh, she's a big fan of HGTV, but I'm not gonna lie, so am I. I oh, I we got HGTV. so off topic. <laughs> yeah, we anyway, did. Anyway, we... that was that was a great question, though. Well, well, I do have to give my answer um, before we move oh, wow. on here. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I would either go with something wildly like obnoxiously heavy like the heaviest matter in the universe by gojira which i'm assuming you guys don't know and or i would go with something that i've been really into lately i would just go with a song by a band like uh royal blood who is just if you don't know oh, yeah. them, a fantastic do. band out of the uk uh who i've been really really into since around the summertime i'd probably go with uh hook line and sinker which is such a fantastic song by them um, they have a new album coming out on uh, the 30th of next month, too, which I'm very excited about. And we just lost Nick. We've lost Ethan, I think, twice during this episode, and we just lost yep. Nick. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. I think I, that's our cue. <laughs> End yeah, it. I mean, we, we are definitely <laughs> over time at this point. But um, computer's actually very warm. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're ending it. <laughs> Yeah, we, we have reached the end, unless anybody else has anything else they want to touch on before mm. we wrap up here. No. Nick, you're good. good. I mean, unless, do, do you want me to, like, just go quickly and just say what's been going on? It, it, it's yeah, you know, totally up to you. Totally up to you. Court. All right, well, I don't want to be like everybody else that has gone through this whole pandemic thing, but I last week tested, tested positive for COVID-19. Um just to give you my personal symptoms, I felt like shit, felt like complete shit. Like the day I tested positive, the day before I felt a little off, but I just thought it was more of the changing in the seasons. And usually I always get like a little sinus thing going on before, um, before that all, like once that all happens, when, when it goes from cold to hot or from hot to cold, I always get like 
little thing going for like a day or two. So that's all I really thought it was. And then one of my friends from hockey actually called me and was like, Hey dude, I'm positive. Like you might want to go get tested. I went and got tested that day, ended up being positive. We are now at seven people from my team have tested positive. So, um, I feel so much better this week than I did last week. Last week I would have, I would have been out because I just felt like shit. I sounded like shit. Um, I'd never thought I was going to die because kind of like what Ethan said earlier, like I'm still young and healthy and I didn't feel like my life was at danger. So, um, but I'm sure everybody deals with it differently. So I don't know. I don't want to tell anybody what to do. Everybody can live their life the way they want to just be wary of it. And if you feel like shit, you're better off going to get tested than not getting tested at all. And running a risk of getting a million other people sick. So that's all I got to say about it. Brilliant. Amen. So I think that that is going to wrap it up for this week's episode of third line grinders. If you enjoyed it, obviously uh, leave a review, hit five stars or however you felt about it out of five, wherever you listen to podcasts, if there's a review system, we'd love to know what you thought of this episode and what you think of the podcast as a whole. And if you don't have a way of leaving a review, there are, uh, there is contact information in the description below to uh, reach out to us personally if you have anything to say to us. Also, business uh, inquiries down there as well. That's a totally separate email. I don't have them in front of me, but again, those will be linked down in the description below. But with that being said, I would personally and on behalf of the rest of the panel here like to thank you all for listening. Guys, it has been an absolute blast. It's always a blast doing the show with you guys. We have a really big feed coming up with the trade deadline, the playoffs looming fresh around the corner. It's going to be a fun few weeks, and I cannot wait to get to it with you guys. So thank you once again for joining me and the rest of the crew with this episode of Third Long Grind. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? I, I said I said see ya, but I was I was waving, but no one <laughs>